Hi, my name is Arabella Corbin, and I want to welcome you to Ritson Road Alliance Church. Yes, good morning, and welcome to church this morning. My name is Chris Corbin, and I serve as the senior pastor at Ritson Road. And this morning, we're going to be kicking off a series entitled, Who Are You? And over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring our identity in Christ and, and how having a proper understanding of who we are is essential and foundational to the way we live as followers of Jesus. I don't know how many of you have ever read Max Lucado's book, You Are Special. It's obviously one of our family favorites, and every time I read it, I find myself wondering, how is it possible for a kid's, to book, a kid's book to be so convicting? Every time I read it, I somehow find myself relating to Punchinello. There's something inside of me that longs to know who I am and what I've been created for. And quite often in an effort to figure that out, I have become the person that I think other people want me to be. And yet in the story, along comes Lucia, and she is someone who is confident in who she is. She's not swayed by the opinions or the thoughts of others. And it's because she knows the maker. She knows Eli. And she knows who the maker says that she is. And so she introduces Punchinello to Eli, and, and as Punchinello meets Eli, he begins this journey of understanding who he really is. And it's such a terrific story. And it's a great lesson that each one of us can learn. As we enter into a time of teaching, I would just like to enter begin with a word of prayer. Would you join me now? Father, we come before you and we're thankful for the lessons and, that you teach us. And even through simple things like children's story, as you teach us about who we are and who we are in relationship to you. Father, I pray that you would just be with us. Holy Spirit, guide us this morning. Meet with each one of us where we are, whether we're in our living rooms or whether we're in our, our bedrooms or our dining rooms and our kitchens. Lord, we know that you are able to direct us and connect with each one of us. I ask, Lord, that you would just illuminate our time together, that you would lead us and guide us, that through all of this, that we would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Over the years, I've become convinced that among the things that are essential in the Christian life, there are at least two things that have the power to shape and influence substantially the way that we live our lives as followers of Jesus. The first one is obviously the most important, and it actually becomes the foundation for the second and, and everything else in the Christian life. And it's simply this, it's that we must have an ever-increasingly right understanding and belief or a trust in God, and that we need to have a deepening relationship with the Father. And the second thing that we need to have is that we must have an ever-increasingly right understanding and belief about who we are, and specifically who we are in relationship to Christ. Now, we aren't going to spend much time today talking about our understanding and belief in God, but I want to take a, a few moments to just touch on a few things that I think are important. As I said a moment ago, the most essential aspect to the Christian life is is having an ever-increasingly right understanding and belief about God. It, it's about developing a deeper love and a deeper trust that God is really who he says he is. And it's about trusting and surrendering your life to him. 
And it's not about having a perfect belief or a perfect understanding about God. And I say this because I've come to understand a few things. Number one, perfect theology doesn't actually equate to a belief in God. And knowledge about who God is doesn't always lead us to a place of faith and trust in him. The Bible tells us that even the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the demons knew God. They believed things about God, and, and in the case of the Pharisees, they could even teach you about God. But it never led to transformation, trust, surrender, or an intimate relationship with God. And so I'm not fully convinced that there's ever a time when we will ever fully arrive and that we could say that we've gained a perfect understanding of God that we know him fully, and that somehow in that moment when we think we fully understand and know him, that we will surrender our lives to him, that we will begin to trust in him. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life, or maybe you see it in somebody you know, but an individual who is so bent on knowing everything there is to know about God, which isn't even possible, before they will commit to putting their trust and their faith in him. I have found that very rarely does that person who needs all of that information, who needs to know everything perfectly about God, ever gain enough knowledge to translate it into faith and trust. Number two is really this, is that God is infinite, and therefore it is impossible to fully know him. It is impossible to grasp every detail of who he is. And yet the moment that we put our faith and trust in him, really becomes the starting point for a lifelong journey to discovering an intimate and infinite God. I have often talked about becoming comfortable living in the 3%. And what I mean by that is I've realized that out of all of the information that I could possibly ever know, I probably really only know about 1% of that information. I've also realized that out of all that could be known, all of the information that's out there, I know that there are things that I know, without a doubt, that I know nothing about them. And realistically, that probably amounts to about 2%. And so I know that there is a, and I know that this is a significantly low number because just about every day, I'm learning about more and more things that I previously never knew anything about like grade five math. And how do you do the new way of grade five math? Grade five math is not like what they taught us when we were in grade five. Did you know that? It's different. And I'm learning that. It's something I never knew before. And so the information that I know, the things that I, that I do know, and the things that I know that I don't know about, really probably equates to about 3% of all of the knowledge that's out there. And that means that I'm completely unaware of 97% of what there is out there that is it possible to know. And the reality is, is that includes what I do and do not know about God. And so I've been learning to be comfortable living in the unknown of who God is. If you were ever to sit down with a, someone who is a mature Christian, someone who has walked with God for a long time, and if you were to ever ask them <clears throat> if their understanding and knowledge of God has ever grown, if it's changed or shifted over the years, as they've matured in their faith, as they've walked with God, I would almost guarantee that every single one of them would say yes. And see, 
the knowledge that they have now is significantly greater than when they first made a decision to follow Jesus. That as their relationship with God has grown, so too has their understanding, their belief, and their trust in God. And because God is so infinite, it's going to take you a lifetime to learn about him. But the key really is, is that we don't stay where we are in our knowledge and our understanding, or even our trust of who God is. We need to continue to go and grow deeper, to, to develop deeper trust, deeper faith. And if you're finding that you want to grow and go deeper in your belief with God, then I would encourage you to get connected to a discipleship group or a small group. In addition to going to church, these groups will help you to journey into deeper understanding. They will help you to go into deeper places of faith and belief in God. The second essential aspect to the Christian life is that will change the way you live is really having an ever-increasing knowledge of who you are. Ultimately, as we grow, as we increase in our understanding and faith in God, we will actually naturally begin to grow in our understanding of who we are. And, and so the second essential aspect of the Christian life is really that. It is answering the question of, who are you? And who are you specifically in Christ? And what we believe about ourselves or what you believe about yourself is going to be the foundation of your life. It is your identity. Throughout the scriptures, pretty much from cover to cover, we can see God teaching his people who they are. From the lives of Moses and Abraham to David and the prophets, even the disciples, they were all growing in their knowledge of who they were as they learned how to relate to God. Lately, I've been studying the life of Moses, and Moses is a prime example of someone whose life has been shaped by his growing understanding of who he is, and particularly in who he is in relationship to God. Right from his birth, I feel like Moses must have had an identity crisis. He would have been torn between his upbringing in an Egyptian home and, and yet feeling a kinship towards the Hebrews, his own people. And yet, he ends up getting rejected by both of these groups, and he's forced to flee to a desert. It's years later that he has an encounter with God in, in, the, in the form of a burning bush, and God commands Moses to return to Egypt to go and set his people free. And yet, Moses, who is still feeling the effects of a broken sense of identity, not knowing really who he is, initially, he doesn't want to go. And we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, Moses' response to God when he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, Moses wasn't confident in who he was. He wasn't confident in what he had to offer, what he could bring to the table. And yet Moses put his trust and his faith in God. And by stepping out in that faith and in that trust, Moses begins to develop a deeper relationship with God. And as Moses' relationship with God grows, we begin to see his character and identity being formed. Moses goes from being a man who didn't really know where he fit. He was a wanderer. He was a foreigner. He becomes a man who is certain of his identity. He becomes a man who would lead a nation out of slavery and who would sit in the presence and the glory of God. 
what a powerful testimony of becoming confident and be setting a firm identity in who we are, rooted in Christ and rooted in God. But the importance of identity isn't just found in the Old Testament. The authors of the New Testament spend significant time teaching the church on what it means to have this new identity in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, Paul is reminding the church that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are actually given a new identity. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. He's speaking about our identity. In, in Christ, we actually are given a new being. We're given a new identity. And then again, later in his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul is going to speak extensively on our identity as followers of Jesus. In the first chapter alone, he speaks about being in Christ and finding our identity in Christ 11 times. And then depending on which translation you read, the words in Christ appear somewhere between 134 and 164 times in the New Testament. For the authors of the New Testament, this new identity in Christ was meant to shape every aspect of their lives. Every detail, and it was meant to be integrated into the fullness of who they were, into every fiber of their being. In Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul says this, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's this idea of being worthy of the life that you have been given, worthy of the identity of who you are in Christ. See, Paul longs for those in Christ to live a life where their identity shapes their destiny, when who you are permeates how you live. You see, he believed that if we were to only understand who we are in Christ, if we only believed what God believes about us, it would revolutionize the way we live. I wonder, has the truth of who you are in Christ revolutionized the way you live? And I'm not just referring to at one time or when you maybe first became a Christian. Does the truth of who you are in Christ continue to revolutionize the way you live? Who you are? David Benner, who is a psychologist and and an author writes a book called The Gift of Being in Yourself. And he defines identity as this. He says, it is the who we experience ourselves to be, the I of which each of us carries within. Oftentimes we feel pressure to define ourselves through our jobs, through our financial status, through our successes, through our grades, our appearances, or even what other people say about us. Or, and the list goes on and on of how we want to define ourselves. And this is how we ultimately do define ourselves. This is who we become. And I wonder if you don't believe me, if those are the ways that we identify ourselves, how often have you ever been introduced to someone new? And following that introduction, you're asked the question, so what do you do? We see, we don't even realize how much this is hardwired into us. To identify ourselves in these ways through our jobs, our success, through what people think about us, through the things that we're good at. And yet I've come to understand that the reason why understanding our identity in Christ is so important is this. 
as if our identity is the foundation of our lives, it is so important to know what we are building our lives upon. If we have a faulty foundation, and by a faulty foundation, I mean if the things that we base our life upon are not true, if they're not firmly established or of eternal significance, then ultimately, like a faulty foundation, we're going to develop cracks. And as we begin to develop cracks, we're going to begin to see that our foundation is going to begin to crumble. Our very lives are actually going to crumble around us. Let me ask you this question. If we define ourselves by our jobs and our financial status, our success, or what other people say about us, or really anything else other than Jesus Christ, what happens to our identity when we experience failure? What happens when we are suddenly criticized or when we lose somebody's favor? What happens when we become burnt out in our jobs? Or even like what we're currently experiencing and we become isolated, where we have nothing to cling to and no one to give us approval. If you ever do a study on the life of David and Saul, you'll see what happens when someone's identity is rooted in their success and in their position and when all of those things are stripped away. You can read about Saul and David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 to 19, and what you'll find is this, and to briefly summarize it, is that initially David is Saul's pride and joy. Saul is the king over all of Israel, and David starts as this young boy who defeats this giant Goliath. And then whenever King Saul would send David off into fight into a battle, they had these wonderful victories. But over time, the people began to praise David more than they were praising Saul. And Saul really got angry. And he begins to actually lose his mind and eventually he loses his life. Because his world has come crashing down because his identity wasn't secure. Right now, in the midst of the world, our world has been turned upside down. And the reality is that for many people, the very foundation of their identity is being shaken and altered. I might wonder, has your foundation, has your identity been shaken? What ends up happening when our identity is shaken and altered is we begin to hustle to find new ways to define ourselves, either by something new or through someone else. I believe that this is an opportunity for us. That in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil around us, there is an invitation for us to be still, to listen to God and to meet with the Maker. Right now, there is an opportunity to allow God to invade your soul, to allow Him to get rid of the lies and the faulty foundations, to allow God to develop in you the truth of your identity, of who you are or who you could be in Christ. You see, this is an opportunity to allow God to get rid of all of the who you thought who you think you should be or who you thought you were. It's an opportunity for God to get rid of who we falsely think we are and to replace it with an unshakable identity. To replace it with an identity that permeates every detail and aspect of our lives that is so fully integrated into everything we do, that is rooted and established firmly. In the words of God. Benner would go on later to state that an identity grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, 
the first thing that would come to our minds is the status as someone who is deeply loved by God. Just like Punchinello began to understand and believe just how Eli saw him, and the dots began to fall off, what would it look like if we actually began to base our identity on the way that God sees us? What would it look like for you to base your identity on the ways that God sees you? I want to invite you to come back next week as we dig deeper into the scriptures to, and to see who God says you are and where you can find an identity that is built on a firm foundation that will not be shaken, that will not be altered. Join me as we close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you that you love us, that we are your children, that you have given us an identity that is rooted in Christ. Lord, that our identity in Christ is one that cannot be shaken. When all of the world is in turmoil and in confusion, when things are being stripped away, when everything around us that we could base our identity is pulled back, and yet we are still firmly rooted in who you say we are. Lord, help us to understand, help us to, to, to pull back the lies, to pull back all of the false beliefs about our identity and who we are, that we would understand who you declare us to be. And through that understanding of who we are in you, may we bring honor and glory to your name. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us again this week. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next week when we dive, dig, uh, dive deeper into the scriptures to fi figure out who it is that God calls us to be.